Welcome to the Cracked Pots Podcast. I'm Pastor Rebecca. I'm Pastor Chad. And John 7, we had living water again. <laughs> and um, the, the leadership, or at least a particular group of leaders, um, questioning Jesus's lineage and which happens a lot heritage and where he's from yeah um, especially in John's gospel John's gospel um, as I point out in my sermon John's gospel does not have the birth narrative so we don't know the whole history of both Mary and Joseph being descendants of David, going to Bethlehem, blah, blah, blah. So I, th- I think that's a really interesting point and something we often forget um, because we're familiar with all four Gospels. Right. And we assume that everybody was always familiar with all four Gospels. But each of the Gospel writers wrote, their, wrote the Gospel for a specific, in a specific context for a specific group of people. So it's very, very possible that the people that John was writing to, that were reading John, or hearing John's gospel, um, weren't familiar with Matthew, Mark, or Luke. Right. It's um, not, John is not part of the synoptic gospels, meaning they don't seem to be drawing on any of the same source material, so to speak. John's in his own world. Yep, yep. John's kind of doing his own thing. Um, so very different, and, and it's a, a, a huge kind of, this isn't the first time Jesus's background has been brought up. Yep. Um, was brought up back in uh, chapter two, good old Nathaniel saying, uh, "Well, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Because <laughs> you know that Galilee place." And kind of where I went with my sermon, you weren't here, so just to kind of give you a recap. Uh, no, I was freezing my rear end off. Yep, up in Pennsylvania. Um, one of the uh, things that I, I pointed out in my sermon is how often do we use where someone is from as a reason to like immediately stereotype or prejudge. I mean, coming from Nebraska, you tell me you're from Oklahoma or Texas and you're going to get the stink eye. Yep. <laughs> so, so my hometown, and we, so it's funny, we have members here that are from, you know, air quote, the other side of the river. So Pennsylvania, Susquehanna River, York is on one side of the river, Lancaster's on the other, and for a while, not necessarily in my lifetime, like it was, it was weird to cross the river to go to Lancaster for something, and they had this war of the roses, York is the white rose city, and Lancaster's the red rose city, and there's this, right, this whole thing, like, ooh, like Lancaster, ooh, York, and it's just weird. And then you get like those, those weird places that are just like, on the York side of the river, like just before the river, and then it was just, it was a really strange, um, as, as times have changed and travel habits have changed and we've, and we've ventured greater distances more frequently, I think some of that has, has waned a little bit. We'd be, you know, the world is more transient than it used to be. Um, but, so, okay, so here's the question. So how much of your Nebraska stink eye 
is sports related. Oh, of course it is. Right, it's right. absolutely all all sports yeah, yeah, yeah. related. I actually have nothing against people from Oklahoma or Texas. But, you know, the moment they 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 say that, I immediately think, "Oh, you're a Sooner fan or you're That's a right. Longhorns fan." And yeah. <laughs> because there is nothing else in Nebraska. Well, that is the problem. Yes. <laughs> um, although we've got really good volleyball not just football. We've yeah. got a really good volleyball team. So. I didn't specify football, just for the record. I, yes. I referenced university. Yes. Or college-related. Yes. We, we, we have a major university that is kind of the central focal point um, for most uh, things in Nebraska, forgetting that we have, you know, really, really good top-notch um, medical care facilities. Oh, yeah. And corn. And corn, yes. Lots and lots of corn. Um, but no, but I, you know, when you start thinking about it, you know, when somebody tells you, and I, I, I asked the question, and I said, how often do we ask the question, oh, so where are you from when someone just comes to visit the church? It's one of the first things we ask. Because as we discovered when I, I asked the congregation, how many of you are actually from Florida, um, we had like one or two hands raised right. in each service, and that was pretty much it. Which the further south you get in Florida, the more, the more that happens. Right. My internship congregation um, was in Naples, Florida. Same, same thing. Mm -hmm. To the point where unless they were under the age of 20, <laughs> I think there was one family in that church that was originally from Florida. Um, which, again, like, that's kind of life in Florida. Yeah, it is. Um, but you know, and that's just within the U.S. Then you start looking at other countries mm -hmm. and you immediately start, oh, they're going to be like this. Oh, they're going to be like this. Yep. Um, that, that becomes sort of that. So, so my question that I was posing is, you know, John could have really, like, clarified the issue. He chooses not to. And the reason he, I think he chooses not to is because it isn't about earthly origins for John. He doesn't care where Jesus was born because that doesn't matter. What matters is he came from God. And that's kind of was the thrust of my sermon was where do we find our identity? Well, it's in how we are named and claimed in our baptism. Um, and our identity as a child of God that should supersede all other um, identifying factors for yeah. us, which so is hard. It is. So we had to. Do, we did an exercise in seminary, and four corners of the room, right? Because rooms have four corners, and most each, unless it's oval or that's round. That's true. You know, that's true. So we're trying. Each, each corner of the room was a different identity. One was, and it was how do you see yourself first? right? Mm -hmm. And I don't remember the breakdown. I remember one was Christian, one was American. I want to say one was generational. Like, do you see yourself as, you know, a millennial or a baby, you know, whatever the... Um, and then Gen the, X. Don't forget Gen X. Everybody forgets right. Gen X. And then the other being, I think, gender. Like, how do you see yourself first? And it was interesting where people would go and even in a seminary context, um, my recollection is that Christian was not the first 
how people I first identified in a seminary of people who are all there for the same reason, all there for the same reason uh, to be in some sort of church leadership, whether it be pastor or deacon or whatever. Um, Even in that context, the prevalent identity that we identified with immediately at that point was not Christian. Right. Which, which was fascinating to me. Um, and I, myself included, did not go to that corner of the room. Now, the interesting thing, I ended up in the, in the identify as American corner of the room, which I never, like now for me, like that just seems crazy. Um, and I think part of it is, is, a, is, a, is a continual maturation of my faith and a deepening of my faith. And the more I dig into Scripture, the more I read, the more I study, the more involved I get. The more you have to break down those national identities. The more I break down all of those identities. Yep. Yep. And, and I will say now that without a doubt, my, that I, would, I, would, I would like run to that Christian corner um, much more so than I, than I did at that point. It was just interesting. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, it's also the, the lived experience in terms of um, some identifying factors can sometimes be a much more prevalent part of your life because of how you might get treated in society. Right. So your race, your gender, um, you know, the, the black experience is going to be very, very different than the white experience. Um, the uh, person of color from, you know, Latino, Hispanic, yep. Arab, whatever, yep. is, is going to have a different experience. And a lot of times that becomes an identifying. And, and with your gender, you know, being... Um, in my case, being female and being a pastor, that's a really bizarre place to live um, because there's half that, that affirms my calling and there's a whole other segment of society that does not accept me for what I do. Yep. And, you know, if you're... If you're, for, for lack of a better term, if you're a white male, you don't usually run into those problems. I, and I, so those can kind of become defining characteristics for you and how you identify yourself. And at the end of the day, trying to remember, oh, wait a minute, we're all that fall under that whole child of God thing. Well, I think that's where, that's where it becomes important, how we identify. Mm-hmm. So if, if our first identity is child of God, then that, that being our prevalent identity, we're less likely to focus on the other parts of someone else's identity. Yeah. Like if, if we see each other, not you and I necessarily, although that included, but if we as society see each other as everyone being a child of God, that puts us in a sameness and a likeness mm-hmm. that focusing on gender doesn't, focusing on race doesn't, Focusing on nationality doesn't. Focusing on sexuality doesn't. And I, I, and I think you touched on it you know, here. I understand why those other identities are important to people, especially people that are in the minorities. You know, I understand yes. why you know, for people of color, um, 
their, their nationality, their heritage is important. I, I understand those things. Same with sexuality. You know, there's a lived experience that people that are not in that, in that subgroup experience that I don't experience and will never experience. Right. Um, but if we all can, can sort of make that shift and see each other as children of God, hey, we're, we're, we're much better people we're a much better society when, when we see things in, in a similar fashion. It doesn't have to be identical, but when we draw on our, on our likeness, our sameness, we're, we're a much better society, a much better version of ourselves than when we start dividing each other up by whatever, mm-hmm. whatever that is. And, and, and to be fair, we do still divide ourselves up by our um, religious identification as yep. well. It can be a sticking point, you know. Oh, those well, Catholics. Christian... Oh, those Lutherans. Well, oh, no, those... no, I mean, um, you know, Christian versus Muslim versus oh, yeah, that Jewish too. versus Hindu, you know, that, yeah. Yeah. that can create some problems yeah. too. But we, we um, do it within Christianity. Oh, yeah, we absolutely do. It's, um, you know, ugh, you, you Southern Baptists or <laughs> yeah. uh, something like that if you're, you know. Or, we do it or, among or, Lutherans, for God's sakes. Yeah, or, like, or, or Catholics going, ooh, all y'all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, you're ELCA. Oh, you're Missouri Synod. Oh, you're Wisconsin. I mean, we do it among, oh, man. Makes you kind of nauseous. It does. And yet, those divisions are important divisions. I mean, I, you know, it, it's, it, it again comes down to then some of those other identities that become affected. Um, being a woman, I couldn't be Missouri Synod. I couldn't be Wisconsin Synod and do what I do. Right. So, I mean, it is all tied together, so I don't want to diminish that, saying, yes, this, this, this is a part of you. This is who you are. Um, but, you know, I look at when Jesus, you know, asked the question, it wasn't in John's gospel, but I think it was in Luke's, asked the question, who are my brothers and my sisters? And even there, it wasn't a biological question. It was a, 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 a question of faith. Who are my brothers and sisters? Well, the people around me. And it doesn't matter what nationality they are. It doesn't matter what gender they are. It doesn't matter what, whether I'm biologically connected to them or related to them. It doesn't matter if they're, they're Jewish or if they're Samaritan or if they're Gentile. Um, any of that stuff came down to just they're who, you know, we're all tied together by the common, common faith. And and, and that becomes, you know, an interesting uh, way in which we have to live in the world, um, recognizing we do all come from different nations. We do come from different um, cultures and races and genders and uh, backgrounds. And how does all of that fit under that big umbrella? And how do we get along? And how do we... How do we not, literally, how do we not hate our brother and sister? Well, currently... Who, who is in one of those other categories yeah. that we seem to either don't like or disagree with or whatever. Well, currently, the, we don't, right? Like, no, we don't. Currently, we want to not address those things, and we don't want to make people uncomfortable. Um, you know, we have... Ah, man, I don't want... <laughs> we, uh, 
I had the, the misfortune of being in Pennsylvania this week and watching regularly, regular TV. No cable. Uh, no cable. Okay, you had cable. But, but like, no streaming. Yeah, no, no streaming. No streaming. And political ads. Yeah. I, one thing I have come to appreciate about streaming you don't get is none of that ads. crap. Oh, it was, it was just it, so infuriating. Um, you know, some of the things that political candidates are running on these days, and it's like, I just, I just don't get it. Yeah. It just, it was, ugh, man. I'm so, I, I'm happy to be back to streaming TV and things I'm watching. <laughs> Away from, from Watching. The, the political inundation yeah. that we all get, especially as we get nearer and nearer to an election yeah. um, towards the end of the year. Yeah, it's, it's going to get worse before it gets better on that front. Not streaming. This is true. And I, I do pretty much most of mine. I usually try to tune in for, for the evening news um, at least once a week. <laughs> Yep, can't do it. Don't always, don't always make it, but you know, I kind of try every once in a while. Um, and I watched a bit of the Olympics the past couple of weeks, and, and I, that was an interesting. So the other night, my grandmother had on the closing ceremonies. I'm like, oops, I missed it. <laughs> yeah, whoops, there went two oh, weeks. Oh, just like that, all hey, gone. Hey, we had a, we had an Olympics. Yeah. But, you know, and even there, the, you know, the whole, whole idea is everybody coming together and yet still we don't, you know, we see all of the, we had diplomatic issues going on at the same time, you have Russia getting ready to invade Ukraine, you've got human rights issues in China, you've got um, the, uh, the doping and, and all that kind of stuff that was going on. And which is, which is really, so the, the figure, there's a Russian figure skater, right? Yeah. Who tested. That was ugly. That was ugly. That poor girl should have never been tested been positive position, for, what, what did she test positive for? Oh, I don't remember. It's some kind of a, um, basically hormone that gives her like more endurance or something along those lines. I'm not, I, I can't remember what it was. The point being though, the odds are, first of all, she probably had no idea she was being given it. Yeah. She's 15. You know, she probably had no idea it was even being given to her. And she should have never been out on that ice to begin with. And then, so, yeah, just correct me, correct me if I'm wrong. And it, it's possible because I, I mean, I like, I follow the Olympics a little bit. Clearly this year I did not. The Olympic Committee is the same for the summer and winter, correct? I think so. I think so too. Um, so, you know, back to our, our differences or whatever, whatever, however you want to call it, call it. Um, Summer Olympics, U.S. had a track, a, tra uh, a woman's track and field um, participant who tested positive for marijuana that was banned from Olympic competition. Now, marijuana is not really a performance-enhancing drug, and she was banned from competition I don't it know. It usually has the, the opposite effect, quite frankly. But yeah. yeah. Other than anxiety, like I, yeah, you know, whatever. Um, I, I don't know the context under which you know this person was smoking weed. Um, I think I, it was to deal with her grief. I, I think she, yeah, she her lost her father or something. Her mother or something. Yeah, yeah. A, that's right. That's right. A family member had died. Yeah. 
um, and banned from competition. This, fig this Russian figure skater allowed to continue to compete, which makes no sense. Now, I also overheard, and again, didn't follow the Olympics, um, that if she won, they weren't going to give her a medal. Yeah, there's... Which seems really weird. Yeah, that there like, was going to be no medal ceremony or at all, I guess, if she would have won. It, which, I, yeah, the, the whole thing was just really weird. Yeah. And, I mean, it became a moot... That part became a moot point because she came out and fell down on almost every... Yeah, I, I heard mean, that. Well, yeah. and, I mean, for credit... And then, and then 15 lost... 15 years old in the middle of this. Come on. And then on. lost her marbles. Imagine when you were 15 years old, being on that kind of stage, and actually had that conversation this weekend. Yeah. About you know being a young athlete, a young person in general, but particularly a young athlete competing at any level, let alone the Olympics, world class, representing your country, all the pressure that goes along with it, and how you manage. And then being in the middle of a firestorm. Yeah, how you manage under normal circumstances your hormones yeah. and emotions of being a teenager and then add on the Olympic pressure and all that stuff and then add on top of another layer on top of that is all of the controversy over, over the, the doping allegation, yeah. which is just really, really strange. But it also, you know, kind of highlights, you know, differences, you know, still allowed to compete versus... Sorry, banned from competition. I, yeah. I don't know. Strange. Well, I, I, the point kind of with, you know, getting, getting maybe a little off track there, but <laughs> kind of the point of the Olympics always was how, how we can all come together under this one thing. Yeah. Um, and, and how we can, you know, somehow in, 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 in all of our brokenness, um, figure out a way to all come together and um, work together, friendly competition, so to speak. Um, and, and, <laughs> which, and we was do, the, which was the initial ideal of, of, of yeah. the games. And we do still see those, those really awesome sportsmanship moments where... There was this, this snowboarding, a yes. slope, the slope, whatever it was called, where um, early on there were th the, the three medal winners... Um, the two that were vying at the time for um, gold and silver are watching this final girl do her run. She comes down, performs just some amazing things, and it's just probably the, one of the best things you're ever going to see in that sport. And instead of being upset that they just got knocked off the gold, you know, yeah. the, the gold medal podium, they ran up to her. And we're so excited for what she had accomplished yeah. that they didn't care about the fact that they just gotten knocked off the, the, the top podium. Yeah. They were so excited what, for what she had accomplished and yeah. what she had done. And just imagine if we just went through life that way. I know, right? <laughs> A little bit more instead of being concerned about the accolades and the things like that of whether I'm getting recognition, I'm getting credit, but... Yeah, can we not just be happy for each other for God's sakes? Yeah, and, and being like, oh my gosh, look at what you've accomplished. This is so amazing. Um, and not having the jealousy and all that kind of stuff... Um, rear its head it was kind of like in in you know boxing and mma like really combative sports where you're where you know to win you literally have to beat the crap out of someone else and then afterwards they're hugging they yeah. like hug it out and i'm like 
dude, you just beat the crap out of me. I don't fucking nothing. <laughs> um, you know, that again, I, I I appreciate that level of of mutual respect for you know mm-hmm. for for what for what they do. So I'm gonna switch gears a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm going to go back to, you know, we've talked about the identity and stuff. I'm going to go back to the beginning of this passage, though. Okay. Um, where he kind of repeats what he told the Samaritan woman. You know, um, let anyone who's thirsty come to me, the, the one who believes in me drink. Of course, this is all um, a, a reference back to good old Isaiah 55. Ho, all who are you? I know that's your favorite part of that. Ho, all who are thirsty, come and buy, you know, food and drink and whatever. Yep. Um, which I always found interesting. We, we already talked about that, the come buy, but there's no, like, actual cost. So I don't know how you buy it. But anyway. Um, and one of the things I think that I struggled with and why I decided not to preach on it is it says, as the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Which, on the surface of that translation, sounds like the living water is flowing out of us as the believer. And, you know, which means we go out into the world and we do things, great theology, a good, you know, kind of go out and and do good things in the world, make disciples, blah, blah, blah. And I was crushed (laughs) to discover that that translation might not be quite right. And the word surrounds, um, the the, the word in question is uh, believer. In the Greek, it simply says out of, and it's the word just for him or his, he, out of his heart. Well, our translators were trying to make it inclusive for gender and not make it his, so they just changed the word to believers. Now, the problem is, and one of my seminary professors brought this up in their podcast, um, who is a John aficionado, and that's his, his big thing, Dr. Craig Kester, said he doesn't think this is referencing the believer. He, think it's refer- he thinks it's referencing Jesus. So out of Jesus' heart shall flow rivers of living water. Huh. Which completely changes the meaning. Yeah, it does. And which is kind of why I decided not to go that route, um, even though that was kind of my first thought was, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll be able to, um, you know, talk about how out of our hearts all this flows, but it makes sense that it's supposed to be Jesus because then the next thing it says is, now he said this about the spirit which believers in him were to receive. Um, which means it has to flow from him into us, is I think the, the idea that's going here. Um, basically, who do we drink from? Who do we get this living water from? It's from him. Yeah. And 
like I said, that was kind of one of those both illuminating and crushing moments of, oh, but that changes my sermon. <laughs> so that was not the direction I chose to go with it. Um, and focused instead on, on this notion of identity and these people that are, are listening to what he's saying and going, you know, he's got good things to say. <laughs> no one else is talking like this. This is kind of this really interesting, you know, um, what, he, what he's telling us. Like even the temple police are kind of like, hey, you know, no one, no one's spoken like this before. What's, you know, this, this is interesting. And of course, our, our, our group of, of religious leaders are a little ticked off about this. And, you know, they're like, wait a minute. You've been deceived too by this guy from Galilee? Um, failing to recognize Jesus' origins. And I was, I, I, I will so, admit... So that's, that's interesting. So conversations with, you know, unchurched people right. or just people who are anti-churched um, and kind of, you know, do the the Jesus bashing, the Christian bashing, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's okay. So let's, let's pretend this is all completely made up, right? Let's pretend that, you know, this is all fiction, right? Let's pretend. Let's, let's make that, let's pretend that it's all fiction. Okay. Is it... Is, does that mean that everything that this Jesus, this fictional Jesus, again, I'm not saying Jesus is fictional, but is everything that this fictional Jesus, you know, teaches is invalid, right? Are we not better people, a better society, if we live by the tenets of Jesus, Okay, so, he, so, so let's pretend that Jesus is not the Son of God. Let's pretend that Jesus didn't actually die on the cross and didn't actually rise from the grave. And maybe this was just some dude that put some writings together that wanted people to love each other more, forgive each other more, offer people more grace, offer people more hope, take care of the poor, all of those things. Uh, what's the problem, right? Like... Is it, re is it really an awful thing if you pull this out? Because really it comes down to, you know, for, for, the, for those... Whether or not you believe he defeats the power of death. Right. That, that, that becomes the, the real... Right. Well, I think it's crap that, you know, I don't believe in a God, I don't believe in God, and I don't believe in, in Jesus and blah, 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 and you Christians, you know, and then you go on the little rant. Okay. You know what, dude? You're right. Let's pretend you're right. Well, my belief says that I should love you regardless, and I should offer you grace regardless. I should offer you mercy regardless. And I, if you're in need, I should help you. And I should feed the hungry, and I should clothe the naked, and I should house the homeless. Oh, what a terrible thing. What a terrible thing. I, I just, like, I, I don't... Yeah, so, so I mean, but for, I mean, and, and the reality being, <laughs> you know, as Christians, we don't really do that. I, 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 <laughs> I mean, let's just, right. it's, it's, um, 
you know, uh, we, we, we struggle with a lot of that stuff. Yep. And, and part of that is, again, so identity issue. Part of that is being raised in the United States and being a very individualistic society. Yep. Um, that many times rails against um, our calling as Christians. I hate to say that, but it, it, it does because we have these other values that have been instilled in us. And, and the interesting thing about it is they've been instilled in us at, for us to believe they are part of Christianity and yet they are not. Um, the Hold on, I'm, I'm, I'm unpacking that. Okay. Have... Say that again. They've been, those, those beliefs have been instilled in us. Yes. As uh, in particular, the individualism. My, okay. my individual rights, freedoms, etc. that we value so highly um, can be um, and is usually wrapped in this whole notion of our Christian underpinnings of our country. Okay. Um, and yet... So the whole, the, a lot of that winds up, and, and I'm not saying individual freedoms aren't a, a value or that we don't need them. We absolutely do. And yet at the, same, you know, at the same time, there is a social responsibility we have to one another yeah. um, within the context of um, basically with, with, within the context of Christianity that says that as well, you are your brother's keeper. So you, I'm, you, you, need, you need to be caring for your neighbor, yeah. and that sometimes gets sidelined in favor of, well, what I want and what I need. Yeah, so what gave me pause was I'm trying to unpack and, 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 and think back through how I personally heard those two things. They, they your are, personal relationship yeah. with Jesus is probably where it's going to start. Okay. It's about you, just you, and 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 your religion. Yeah, maybe. And your faith. Because I always I always heard those things as not because of your faith, but they're held. Those beliefs are held alongside each other, even though they they're competing. Right. That, that's so. I kind of heard it as you know, at least the way I understood it, or unpacked it, or or hand, or you know, mentally wrap my head around it. You know, well, we have American values and, and, and individualism and yada, 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 all those things that you, that you said earlier. Well, and, and, and to be fair. And also, we're a Christian nation. And it's like, well, uh, those things don't... And, and for me, it was people putting, a, putting blinders on and saying, okay, well, this is... This, this, we, because we can, it's American, it must be Christian. Right, kind of we thing. can have both of these things at the same time, even though they, they like, clash. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, if you go back um, to... <laughs> go way back to kind of our, our colonial days and foundings and whatever. You go all the way back into, say, the 1600s um, when, you know, you start getting those first, first settlers. You know, they were all, you know, the first group, the Pilgrims, was a separatist group from um, the, the Church of England um, and uh, just kind of wanted to, to live in peace and then the second wave that came were what were known as the Puritans, which were uh, not separatist, but were trying to basically change how the Church of England worked. 
And they decided the best way to do that was to come to America and establish, believe it or not, a theocracy. A, this is how we're going to live as Christians, and then we're going to go back and change the Church of England, was the goal, was we're going we're gonna to live out, and, and they viewed America as kind of this promised land, this place that God had given them um, for them to come do this. And then a few weird things happen. You start getting people from other countries, other Christian traditions, um, and then the Enlightenment happens during the 1700s, and a lot of our founding fathers said, hey, maybe some of these ideas, a separation of church and state, maybe those are a good thing. Um, maybe we shouldn't have a theocracy, blah, blah, blah. So we have had at our core a huge division between the Enlightenment group that won out and the theocracy group that still holds a lot of resentments for basically their, their idea of what this nation was going to be didn't come to fruition. And the problem is, is that we have a whole lot of that dissension for, that goes all the way back to that still as a huge undercurrent in our country, and it gets melded then into our, our ways in which we live out both our faith and our... Um, our, our lives as, as, quote, American citizens, Christians, etc. Um, and it gets very convoluted. And... Yeah. Yeah, and, and which is why you have this kind of muddling where it's separation of church and state, but you have this whole group of people that never wanted that. And continue to want to put that. And so then comes the big question... You know, we're sitting here saying, well, these are all good things. Why wouldn't we want to do them even if you don't believe in Jesus, etc.? Um, and kind of begs the question, though, um, you know, which, which things do we, we look at in our faith and say, yes, these are things that everybody should live by versus, oh, these are things I just personally am going to live by? Assuming we get to pick and choose. Right. Right. Like, like Christianity isn't, isn't a restaurant menu. No. Um, oh, well, I'll take... And clearly it's as, not, as I have used this word before, it's not a monolith either. Yeah. Where it all right. is, is the same. Yeah. I'll take the steak and a baked sweet potato and I want this on it and I'll have this vegetable and like you kind of, you kind of get the menu. There's, there's a couple of restaurants I've eaten at that... You literally, they have one menu and you get everything. Um, and that's kind of Christianity, right? Like, you don't get to pick and choose which part of Christianity, well, we do. We're not supposed to, um, we're not supposed to treat uh, Christianity like Burger King, where you go and you go, oh, I'll have it my way. Um, you know, the whole Burger King theology is, is one of the issues we have in, in, in Christianity. You know, well... I don't like this. So. I like this part, so I'll have I'll I'll supersize that, but I don't. I'm sorry. I'll king size that um, because we're talking Burger King here. I'll king size that, but this, yeah, I'll pass. Hold the mayo, which is always the right answer for me. Yeah. Um, but you, you, Christianity, you 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 get you get the mayo and everything. You don't just get the stuff that. I don't get to say no tomato. 
Right. And it is a, and, and I think part of the life of faith is that you do struggle with the things that don't necessarily jive for you. Jesus' you know? disciples struggled with it. For, oh, yeah. You know, I mean. Yeah. I, and, and, and it's, and I, I think that there's too much in um, Christianity of people thinking that, well, if you have faith, you don't struggle. You don't, you don't, you know, you just have this assurance, blah, 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 blah. And that, to me, that's not. If you, if you don't. That's not a, that, that's not a real reflection of what a robust faith life is. It's, yeah, if you don't struggle, struggle, you're not doing it right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, and I truly believe that. If you're not struggling, um, maybe struggling isn't the right word. If you're not... Wrestling. Jacob wrestling with God kind of thing. Yeah, if you're not wrestling, if, if you're just um, content with everything you hear in, in Scripture, you're either a saint... And even that, I would, because <laughs> that, that's, that's to say that the saints didn't struggle either. Um, you know, even, even Mother Teresa in some of her writings. Oh, she absolutely know, struggled. She struggled. Now, in a lot of cases, well, you know what? I'm going to do it anyway, yeah. but I'm struggling with it. And I think that's part of it. Part of it is continuing down that path in, with the struggles and, and, and taking them, not even in stride, but just, you know, re- wrestling with it. You know, there's a lot of things in Scripture, frankly, I don't like. Yeah. I just, it, oh. um, there are things Jesus says I don't like. Because it's hard there's, and it's challenging. Yeah, there are a lot of things in the Old Testament I don't like. Um, you know, that whole genocide thing still is kind of a sticking point for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, doesn't doesn't quite fall in in line with the whole love your neighbor thing, um, and and we can go back and you know we can give reasons for why you know certain peoples needed to be dealt with or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's human life, and um, human life is still sacred in my view to to God, and so I struggle with that, and that that was something that he condoned. Um, even ordered, and that that will always be that will probably always be my biggest struggle. And I don't know that there's a way to ever fully reconcile it. Um, I mean, I can, like I said, I can give justifications, I can give reasons, but at the end of the day, I'm still going to struggle with it. Yep. Because I have to wonder: was there could there not have been another way? Yeah. Could there not have been another way? But maybe there couldn't. I mean, you know, sort of that who am I to question God kind of thing. Um, and yet I question God all the time. <laughs> I, I was going to say, who are, you to, who, who are we to question God? And yet... And yet we do. Yet we yeah. do. And, and God... It's the Job thing. It's, you yeah. know, it, it's on the one hand we question God. God looks at us and mm. say, well, who are you to question me? And we're like, okay, you're right, but I'm still going to question you. And God kind of shrugs and says, okay, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to give you the answer, but... Yeah. Okay, question you, away, and yep. you know what? I love you, and... And this is beyond your pay grade. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, it's, it's kind of the, the, the answer I feel we get from Job, is that this is, this is, this is above your pay grade, so... so I, I actually, on Wednesday, got a phone call from a former member who like checks in frequently, 
has left the church that I was pastoring um, and was having a, maybe crisis isn't the right word, but things, ha- things had not going according to plan. And I, I, I you know, reminded him, I said, so, and we, we have a relationship that we can be really frank, and I, and I enjoy those relationships. And, and finally, I said, why are you whining to me? I said, you are the person that has told me over and over and over how amazed you are that God provides and God has leaded you and guided you in so many parts of, of this person's life. I said, so why in this instance are you whining to me about things not going your way? What happened to, you know what, I don't know how, but I know God will provide. And he kind of laughed at me and he said, you're right, pastor. I said, right. And I'm not, you know, this is a Job thing, you know, where you're questioning and that's fine, but I'm just kind of throwing back in your face the number of times you've told me that unexpectedly God has provided for you and how amazed you are and how thankful you are and how grateful you are. You know, the reality is God's going to provide and, may, and maybe what God provides isn't what you want. Because sometimes what God provides isn't what we want. <laughs> and that, he gives me tomatoes to survive on, and I don't like tomatoes. And that, that sucks, right? <laughs> like, like we, don't, we don't want to admit that sometimes you know, we want what God doesn't will for us. And, and that's hard for us to swallow, all of us. It's our human nature. But on the flip side, you know, and I, I use the example, and I don't know where I read it. Um, it's one of those, like, kind of corny things, you know, you see every now and then on social media, you know, you question, you know, this is, you know, supposedly God speaking, you question this, you know, why this happened, and, you know, what, you question why your car broke down and your car wouldn't start, and what you don't know is that, you know, had you been on time and your car started, you would have been in an accident, or, you know, it's, I mean, it's kind of corny, but yet, we don't know. No. You know, we don't know what would happen, the woulda, coulda, shoulda. We don't know, right? So part of, part of life is kind of accepting that we don't know things and... No! And, and, and going with it, right? And, and again, that's really hard, you know, especially for, you know, for control freak people um, who want to have a say in absolutely everything, and they want things to play out exactly the way they want them in the time they want them. And you know, life, doesn't, life doesn't work that way. And that's, and that's hard. It's hard for all of us. But also, you know, hey, it's kind of life. Yeah, I mean, and definitely, I mean, I have a lot of times in my life where it's like you brought something into my life that really I don't understand why you did this to me. Uh, (laughs) you know, or it's kind of one of those, what was this just to tease me? What, you know, what, what was the point of this? Um, I, I asked that question a lot. Um, I mean, God and I have some very interesting conversations, um, late at night. (laughs) And, and And those, those are, those are valid conversations. Those are holy conversations. Those are faithful conversations. What's scary is when you get like an immediate answer. Yeah. And, and that, that actually happened to me recently. Um, I was, it's, it's been happening a lot lately, actually. Now that I think about it, going back, um, I, I had something a few weeks ago that I was really 
kind of angry, struggling, whatever, and I was writing in my journal, and all of a sudden I get this text message for, from somebody that literally was addressing that particular issue at that moment at like 10 o'clock at night. And I was like, seriously? <laughs> right. I was like, okay, I guess that's my answer. Um, and I guess that's what, uh, you know, this is, this is where this is going. Um, and, you know, and then of course you always go, oh no, that couldn't be it. But yeah, it, you know, it has to be. And those are, those are, those are holy moments and they are also sometimes scary moments. Yeah. And... And, and people ask the question, well, why, why doesn't God perform all these miracle blah, blah, blah things? And I'm like, you know, it's because he does so many of these things on such a, like, random daily basis that I think we dismiss a lot I was gonna of say, We don't see him anyway. We don't yeah, recognize Yeah, I was going to say, I think we just, because even that where it was like an immediate boom, here's, here's your sign... I, I, I questioned it. I was like, is this really the sign or what? And, right. and when I think about how, um, if you remember good old Gideon in Judges, and, and the, uh, the sign was going to be whether or not this fleece had dew on it or not. I mean, you know, it's kind of like talk about your not exactly really parting of the seas kind of miracle and yet something little and simple like that. If the seas parted, we'd come up with some other stupid excuse of why. The wind, there was a storm, there was a, there was this, there was that. Yeah. Yeah. We find other, we find other reasons. We find other excuses. So I don't really blame God for not being in the whole business of doing these really big, huge things. Right. So anyway, well, I think we're coming up on our time. Unless you've got anything else to add to our living water identity, nah, I'm thirsty. where we come from, stereotypes, all that fun stuff. Nah, okay. I'm thirsty. You're thirsty? Yeah, me too, believe it or not. All right, so <laughs> we will see you talk to you um, next week. We are going to be looking at John 9, and there's an, it's another healing story. Another healing story, and, and of course, the, the certain religious leaders wanting to find out who was behind it. Um, these stories seem to repeat themselves quite a bit in John. So, Go anyway, figure. we will talk to you next week. See ya. Peace out.